The Department of Justice and Constitutional Development says there is an increase in the number of human trafficking cases being reported countrywide. These 16 girls have endured sexual abuse at the hands of hundreds of men. While slavery has long been abolished, modern forms still exist with women and children being primary victims. And some, we are told, they are still outside the country where we are trying to negotiate with these countries to say, how can we get our children back? The girls have told officers harrowing stories of their capture and abuse. That's why we found out that the girls, they are working for some foreign nationals. And it's just frightening, absolutely frightening. While slavery was abolished about 200 years ago, modern-day slavery remains a grim reality. The Global Slavery Index estimated that 45.8 million people around the world are today trapped in modern slavery, and there are about 250,000 modern-day slaves in South Africa alone. It's an international phenomenon that is not about us and them, but it's close to home and affects you and I. It's happening in our schools, our shopping centers, even in your neighbor's backyard. Human traffickers are preying on the dreams of our kids, our brothers and sisters, lure our uncles and aunts and lying to our parents to get us into their web for their gain. There is hope. This is Humans for Sale a six-part podcast series with Hope Risen Foundation brought to you by Pembani. To start things off, get to know all about Hope Risen Foundation. Gareth Cliff sat down with founder of Hope Risen Foundation, Tabitha Lage, to discuss the harrowing and harsh realities of human trafficking. With me today is the founding member of Hope Risen who is doing an unbelievable job to combat human trafficking. Tabitha, thanks for giving me some of your time. Um, this is a way bigger thing than I thought it was. Mm. It's terrifying. Indeed it is. You're right, Gareth. It definitely is something that is way bigger than most of us out there actually even realize. How big is the, is the problem and, and how much of a South African aspect to the problem is there? Well, the reality is that it is actually a very big, big problem. If you think about where we are at in in our country in terms of the law and where we are at now and where we used to be, we never even used to have a law against human trafficking in our country um, before 2015. Hmm. Our law only took effect in 2015. So, so what happened you, before then? So before then, we would actually have to um, convict under all the different Offenses. So we would need to look at the Sexual Offense Act. We need to look at the Drug Act. And that was, that was quite hard. Um, so you had great, um, NPA, you know, the authorities that were, were fighting to combat this and convict, but we didn't even have a proper law in place at the time. However, in saying that now, we do have one of probably the best laws in the world if we implement it correctly. For most of us, the only real connection we might have to the awful world of human trafficking. I remember watching Liam Neeson in Taken. Mm-hmm. I remember it was harrowing because his daughter was taken away and he tried to find these guys and 
They're connected to powerful people and dangerous people. And is that what it's really like? Is that movie any anything close to an approximation of what actually happens? So what the movie Taken has done for many of us South Africans is that we've watched this movie and we have kind of stuck there. We we haven't moved from that Taken movie and we are expecting that kind of movie to actually take place in front of us for us as South Africans to go, okay, South African uh, South Africans human trafficking is really happening here. So we're waiting for the next Taken movie to actually take place Now I'm not saying that doesn't happen It can happen and it does happen However human trafficking In South Africa is happening right under our noses So where is it happening How is it happening and how come someone like me Who tries to be conscientious about Observing the world around him How come I don't know anything about this How come I don't see this happening How come it isn't in the news Well first of all human trafficking is very complex it is not something that jumps out and says, here I am. This is, this is human trafficking. Um, it is quite a complex situation, but human trafficking, simply put, is modern day slavery. It is the buying and selling of a human being with the intent to exploit them. That is what human trafficking is. All also known trafficking in persons. Um, and human trafficking can happen anyway. And it is happening anyway. Mm. And it is happening on our streets. It's happening in our neighborhoods. It's happening in playgrounds. Um, human trafficking is not specifically targeted to one area. You may find the more poorer, vulnerable areas have a higher risk at being trafficked. But I can tell you that in, due to the nature of our work and being on ground, ground level, we have experienced that trafficking happens all over. I, I want to get to the the economics of this because, you know, if you can follow the money, you can usually get an idea of why something's happening. It's supply and demand. So you said it's it's modern slavery. It's the it's the buying and selling of people. So who who's buying and who's selling? And how's this how's this allowed to take place in modern democracies where we have constitutions and human rights and 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 uh, responsibilities of of parents over children and of governments over people and that kind of thing. How does this happen? Explain to me how where is this need? Uh, who's buying the slaves? Who's selling them? So we're up against a multi-billion industry, um, which is very close to the drug trafficking industry. Where often where there's human trafficking, there's drugs. Where there's drugs, very often there's human trafficking. So you've got these two very big um, sort of crimes that are interlinked and working together. When you talk about the economics of this, there is so much money that is being made. Unlike drugs, you can sell drugs off once and it's done. But a human being, you can sell over and over and over again. And that is what is happening. Many of these victims of human trafficking are being sold into the sex industry. And there's a demand there. In that industry. So we ask ourselves, why is there demand for that? Who, who is purchasing, you know, that, that in that business? Who's buying? Um, who's demanding that demand? Because if there was no demand, mm. I, I can go and rescue as many women every single day and children, but tomorrow there will be more. But unless the demand stops, it's going to keep happening. So where is this demand coming from? The demand is coming from men. Okay, but, but men in a particular part of the world, is it all men? Is it because I, I, I wouldn't know where to start looking if I were one of those men for a supplier? 
from all over the country. You've got men that are coming into our country looking to traffic children or women, even men. Boys are becoming um, a risk of being trafficked into the sex industry. And you've got men that are going out of our country into foreign countries actually looking to purchase children and to have sex with children. Um, and so there's men of all influences of from all spheres and all races and all cultures um, that is – basically fueling the industry. There must be quite a lot of research that's gone into this. Um, I would imagine that, that, that organizations like the United Nations are very involved. Do we know who the, the, the main perpetrators are in terms of countries and who we know where the, the main victims are from? Look, unfortunately, in our country right now, where we at in terms of database, we don't actually have one central database in our country that can actually talk, be able to sit down and say, okay, this is what's happening here and how much and who. We are relying on information from all different departments. So you've got social development, you've got law enforcement, you've got Hope Risen Foundation, you've got all these different um pieces of information that are coming in in numbers and we, we're trying to collate estimated numbers, but it's very, very difficult because we actually don't have a central database that we can work off. Hopefully that will change. Hmm. But right now, because of that, I cannot give you specifics around something like that. So we don't even know where most of the kids who are trafficked or the women who are trafficked are going to. We have no idea. All we know is that they are going to countries Zimbabwe, Zambia, Russia, Thailand. So from our experiences of women being trafficked in and out of our country, that we know of where they're coming from and to. It, it seems like a, a massive, massive problem in terms of scale. But, you know, if someone's family member goes missing, it would seem odd to me that we don't hear about this every day. That's what's really scary. If, if, if I had a daughter or a wife or a mom or a sister who was taken, I think I'd be making a big noise about it every day. Yeah, you're right. Um, so what's, what's that all about? Gareth, that is all about due to a lack of awareness and education. And, and we don't have enough awareness out there about human trafficking. We really, really don't. We've been on the ground for nine years and we're only now starting to see South Africa mobilize and become aware of what human trafficking is. And we haven't even touched the iceberg of anything yet. Um, and so it's really, it's due to a lack of awareness and awareness. That's the power of awareness is huge because it's also prevention. Uh, this must be very emotionally exhausting. How did you get involved in it? I Nine years ago, I became an ambassador for a non-profit international organization, and we would go into informal settlements, and we would bond and um, work with the leaders in, in those areas. And it was through working in a particular village that had children, and we actually started to give them handmade dresses with our label on it. And we realized through the conversations we were having with them that the children, they had told us that they were the children that were going missing had reduced. And when we started to ask questions why and how was this even possible, it became apparent that the perpetrators, the traffickers that were operating in there, left them alone thinking that we were actually looking after them. Um, and so they didn't touch that group of children any longer. But there was a lot of kidnapping going on in that area. But what became apparent to me was that money was being exchanged. When they spoke of money, I knew that this was more than kidnapping. Now, when you talk about that, does that mean that sometimes the families or the friends are complicit in selling these 
people to traffickers? That can happen. That is a that is a possibility. We have found though that happens more internationally rather here locally, but it is something that can happen. Um, but what we are finding is that traffickers um, are moving into the very vulnerable areas and approaching families and um, saying to the families, look, I can help provide a better education and a life for your son or your daughter. If you let them come with me and pay me X amount of money, they're going to go here and they're going to provide you food and give you this. And then once all of that happens, that's not the case. Hmm. Um, so there's, you know, coercion, there's false um False information given mm. um, to try and encourage and force the children to be trafficked. So you you were working in this village to go back to your story for a second, and then you saw that there was this stuff going on. And had you any awareness of it before then? Had absolutely nothing, no awareness of it at all. I never even heard of human trafficking. I didn't even know at that time that that's what it was. Mm. But I was so horrified by what I had heard. I was so horrified. I could not believe that this was actually going on, that I really felt stirred to do something about it. And what was even more disturbing was that the more I started to get help around it, the more I realized that there's actually nobody that knows what I'm talking about. And there wasn't. And so I had to go international and I had to get internationally equipped by two foundations um, to be able to get myself to a level that could at least start me to start bringing awareness. So Hope Risen was born then and, and it was 2009 and your, your, your central tenets are that you, you think people should be free. I think most of us would agree in civilized society that that's mm-hmm. absolutely essential, that no one deserves to be or is – in an ideal world, able to be sold or bought, um, that you can prevent some of the human trafficking by making people aware, that you can intervene where necessary and you can bring law enforcement in where you can to reunite people and then obviously to restore and reintegrate people once they have gone into the human trafficking web Mm. and, and hopefully come back on the other side not too damaged. Is that about right? That's right. I'm... I'm amazed by what you've said about the sex industry, but there are obviously other reasons that people are bought and sold. Correct. So what are the, what are the other major areas? So the other major areas is labor trafficking. Um, and labor trafficking is very big in our country. We just haven't even touched there. You know, in 2010, we had the Soccer World Cup, and there was a major emphasis around sex trafficking. And we haven't moved from that yet. Yes, it is happening, and it is big. But labor trafficking in our country is really, really rough. And I do believe that when we start, when businesses start to really want to stand up against this and look at their supply chains and want to engage in more conversation with us around what human trafficking is, what does it look like in the in the business world? Um, we can start to stop human trafficking around labour trafficking. Okay, but let's let's just make sure for the the sake of clarity and definition that we're not blurring the lines here. So, being a labourer who's paid is very different to having been trafficked and forced into labour. Absolutely, someone who's labour trafficked is somebody who has been. Um, 
lied to about the, the, the opportunity, the job opportunity that they were going to be given. Their documents are taken away. There's major exploitation in that process. There's verbal abuse, physical abuse. Um, the living conditions are very dehumanizing. They probably expect to work very, very long hours, um, dirty, dangerous kind of jobs. So we're talking about exploitation in this. Um, we're not talking about somebody who's being paid a decent wage and is working, you know, X amount of hours. Um, we are bringing exploitation into this. I've heard a lot of, of um, the Middle Eastern countries do this with uh, Pakistani, Indian, Sri Lankan, Bangladeshi labor. Um, where, where are most of the South African forced labor people from? I mean, you can imagine probably Zimbabwe, Mozambique, places like that where their own economies have collapsed. Correct. And they come here desperate. Mm. So the majority of them are. It's those that are coming into our country for a better life because Joburg is the city of gold. But also what we have found is that we have South African recruiters operating internationally in Thailand and, and those kinds of areas that are actually looking to recruit women, recruit men, um, promising them the, the best life and jobs that they're going to come into when they get into Joburg. But once they're in and they, and they get taken, it's not the case. How, first of all, how do they get brought in? How do they get smuggled into the country? So very often their documents can be fraudulent. Um, so documents that are created for them to come into our country are false. Um, the air flights are paid for. Everything is done for them um, to encourage them that this is what they, they should hmm. do and to get on that plane. And then by the time they get in, it's too late. It's to too late. Okay, so you talked about the sex trade, we talked about this forced labor. What else is there? There's organ trafficking. Um, so oh organ trafficking is um, becoming more and more of a, a, a hot um, subject to talk about in our country. It is a reality. It is happening where organs are being removed and sold onto the black market for multi purposes. Um, we have forced marriages. It's no longer a cultural um, thing anymore. It's now becoming where the possibly, for example, the the older man is marrying the younger younger girl and using her as his sex slave, or he's selling her off as a sex slave. Um, so we've had cases like that that we've dealt with. Um, you know, you've got your other types of human trafficking too. For instance, forced begging. Let's talk about that. I mean, that's so in forced our face. Begging. That is so in our face here in our country. Yeah, that we see all the time. Are you telling me that a lot of those people are told to go out there by someone who owns them? Absolutely. And we've put to work. We've had situations that we've dealt with on a very, very local ground level where they have been forced to beg um, and the money doesn't stay with them. It gets given to the trafficker. Um, I have physically seen myself when money has been given to a beggar that they've had to walk across the street and give the trafficker money. Um, if they haven't made X amount of money, they get beaten, they get abused, they are exploited. Um, so there's that very local on the ground situation. But surely for someone who's in that situation, if you were begging at the traffic lights and you were able to escape, it would be better to almost be in the wild, so to speak, than to be under the control of this trafficker. Joburg's a big place. You get lost. The challenge is, Gareth, is that we, we deal with a situation called grooming and Stockholm syndrome. Oh, right. And traffickers are very clever. So the, st the fear that they instill in their victims is so deep and so rough that, uh, the fear factor comes into place and it's just not that easy for them to just run away. How can you find people when they get trapped?
trafficked? How do, you, how do you begin that process? That's a tough thing to do. It is a tough thing to do. And like I said already, trafficking is not something that sort of jumps out um, when you are unaware of it or uneducated by it and says, you know, here I am, this is, this is human trafficking. That is why it is so important for every single one of us to be educated around what human trafficking is. Um, and to go to a workshop that Hope Risen runs and get yourself equipped and educated and empowered for yourself and for you to be able to save someone else's life. You, you've drawn up a, a list of things that you can look for if you think that someone might have been trafficked or if someone might be um, under someone else's control. Um, do you want to go through some of those for us so that we can maybe check it out? Because you might meet someone in your life and you think there's something not right here. Absolutely. How do you know if it's if it's possibly human trafficking? Well, certain. So there, there are quite a lot of red flags to this, but I'll mention some of the common ones. Um, very, very unusual behaviour. Um, it's a big one for me. I've been in airports before when I've been travelling into Africa, and I have. I've actually stopped an aeroplane because I knew that there was a trafficking situation going on. And it was a good thing that I did because it actually ended up being a trafficking situation in another country. But I experienced very unusual behavior with a very young girl who I could see was not part of the family that she was with. Um, and, and she, I could see her movements were very restricted. I could see she wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom on her own. I could see she also couldn't speak their language you know that is a tactic that traffickers use they look for victims who also don't speak the language in the country that they are moving them to because they have less chance of running away and getting any help because how are they going to ask for help if they can't speak the language who is going to listen to them so it's that unusual behavior um, body language uh, looking scared not being able to speak the language not um, possibly reaching out for help as well um, we also have, uh, if you look at the, the body, very often their bodies are bruised. Um, they could be, uh, there could be holes from the injections from the drugs that they are forced to take. Um, very sort of frail, um, fragile, malnourished. That's another thing. Very, very malnourished because they don't get nourished. Um, and yeah, just that very, very unusual, something's not right behavior. I would imagine also a lot of them are sick. Sick with um, health disease, you know, these this health di- these diseases that they contract, mm. um, and so that's not helpful. So looking sure. very fatigued, um, iron deficiencies, and interestingly enough, if you also take a look, if you get the opportunity to take mats on odd, but their their teeth are not in good condition because of the drugs that they are forced to take, and also with not you know taking care of themselves as well. What what are the chances of getting someone back? So if I speak from our personal experience, we've had a very, very good success rate. Um, but I think the chances of getting someone back, if it is not attended to in the way that it should, it could be very, very difficult. Um, to do that because traffickers move very, very quickly. Yeah. And remember, we don't just deal with the trafficker that's on the ground that's possibly doing the kidnapping or the trafficking. We're dealing with a syndicate. There's never just one person that's yeah. involved. Um, who are the people who, who make the money here? The people that make the money, uh, it starts right from uh, – 
If you if you look at the circle of people that are involved in one trafficking operation, you're looking at the at the recruiter, the spotter, the buyer, the seller, um, the transporter, yeah. you, the financier. You're looking at all of that, and so everybody is making. A buck in it. Um, but the person at the top that's running the syndicate basically is making a lot of money. Now, South Africa probably doesn't have a very big budget for making sure that the Trafficking in Persons Act is implemented properly and that, that there are consequences for people who are caught doing this. There's not a big budget. Um, as a non-profit foundation, we don't receive any funding from government. We are completely privately funded. Um, and then when we look at uh, from a government level in terms of having its own anti-human trafficking task team and rapid response team and police force, yes, we have that, but on a very small scale. Um, and because it's on such a small scale, unfortunately, great police officers that are working in this field get moved around, um, right. which, you know, then causes a, a, a hindrance in the trafficking areas. There have been allegations that some immigration officials and private security companies, as well as airline officials, are in cahoots here to facilitate trafficking operations. Is, is there any progress being made against those people? So in our personal capacity, in our personal situations, we have had cases where, yes, those kinds of people have been involved. Um, the great thing is, is that in terms of that, the people that are the ones that we can work with on the ground are trying to do something about that. They are looking to take action around that and stop it. And there are definitely great people working in government who really want to stop this kind of thing. But there must also be some people who falsify papers and all that kind of thing to make it easier for the traffickers. Unfortunately, yes, there are, um, because a lot of money is paid in that. And so we have this form of corruption that is taking place um, to be able to do that. Sure. Um, what, what would happen if a girl was stolen on the streets of Johannesburg? I mean, what, what is the possible scenario? You've seen a lot of these cases firsthand. Does she get piled into the back of a car? Taken to a border, taken to an airport. How does it work? I mean, how does it actually happen? So in our experience, what we have found is that when there's a kidnapping that takes place, the first thing is obviously we encourage the parents to take the necessary steps around reporting their missing child. And that is not waiting 48 hours. Okay, no, that is I mean, not, absolutely not. And they are to go to the nearest police station and report it, regardless of where the child went missing. Um, now, within that space, at that point, we don't know if the child has been trafficked. It is now a kidnapping situation. That is what we know. But what we don't know is if the child is going to be trafficked or not. Unless we are faced with a situation that we were faced with four months ago when the principal of a school called us and said, we actually have a trafficker sitting in our office who's come to us, who's come forward and told us that she was asked and being paid to traffic two children from our school. God. And we needed to get to those two children before the traffickers could do. It took us eight hours, but we got there and we managed to remove those children wow. and get them to a place of safety. So unless those kinds of situations happen, unfortunately, there is that 
terrifying process of what a parent has to go through in order to try and find their child. Um, and the possibility is, is that yes, they could be trafficked. Could they cross our borders? Yes, they could. Um, and, but however, we are looking at all these things that are possible and there's continuous work around trying to stop and avoid these things from happening. Are there international agencies that help with this kind of thing? Absolutely. Um, there's great international agencies that actually help with um, this kind of work. There's some really good ones, and there's many of them internationally. Um, from a South African perspective, we, we have a few on the ground creating awareness um, and prevention, um, helping to stop trafficking from actually happening in the border posts and our, and our airports, which is helpful. Um, how, how much do you need to be able to conduct your business? I would imagine that Hope Risen, you need to sometimes buy a plane ticket to get to someone when you get a, a bit of information. I, I would imagine you sometimes need to go and sit in meetings with quite important people. Um, you occasionally will need to drive out to remote rural areas to meet with the families of people who've been trafficked. Um, it must be quite resource heavy. It is. It's very, very resource heavy, um, especially because we are a foundation and the only foundation that actually does start to finish. So we awareness prevention, we rescue alongside law enforcement, we enhance law enforcement in that area, as well as restoration and reintegration. And so, Gareth, in order for us to just keep our doors open, you're looking at about 480000 a month just to keep us afloat, um, to be able to allow everybody in the foundation to work to full capacity, but at the same time to be able to rescue those children, to rescue those men and to rescue those women and to restore them with a trauma-informed restoration program and bring them back into society, which we have done. And today it's incredible when you see um, a woman who's married with children and, and is thriving, you know, and, or a man who's now started his own company. And, and they were trafficked once. And they were trafficked once. Oh my God. It, it, it really is extraordinary. Um, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm horrified that this is happening under our very noses, mm. that there's so much of it going on in South Africa. I, I can't imagine how many families have been ruined and ripped mm. apart and how many, Kids have had their lives taken away from them. Oh, it, it, are there are there any indications that we can win this fight? I believe there's a lot of hope. A lot of hope. Does trafficking happen? Yes. Is it horrifying? Absolutely. Is there hope? Of course there is. And we've got to look at that and we've got to hold on to that. Um, we've got to know that there is, there are good people out there that are trying to stop this. There are men coming forward and saying, we cannot keep doing this. Um, there, there are really good people over and above ourselves that are really trying hard to end human trafficking in South Africa. Um, but the reality is, is that if we don't get those necessary resources in place to continue to do the work that we need to do, and to, we hear over and over again from families, we, we thank you so much that you are here to do what you are doing, because if it wasn't for you, then our child would still be out there trafficked. You know, we've heard those words. Tell me about some of the cases that you've recently been involved with. So if we look at this year, um, we rescued a young woman from a sex trafficking situation. 
in a very upmarket private residential area. Um, we in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, and um, we knew we were going for her, and we had our specialized ex-military um, team that were were with us, together with law enforcement, <laughs> and. Um, we went on this operation and we went for her, but what we came across were other women in the house as well. Um, the traffickers were arrested, but obviously what we were unaware of, and this often happens, is that we don't quite know exactly what we're going to find. Um, but we rescued um, those women, and um, that is one, one situation where she had been sold into what they call a brothel, although it was a residential home, it was actually an operating brothel, oh and um, clients would come in and out and um, and purchase sex, and a lot of drugs would obviously be be in that in that house to keep them going. A lot of them don't are not on drugs when they get kidnapped or trafficked. They get forced to take the drugs mm. because it bounds them, it holds them bondage. Yeah, and must help with numbing the, the numbing psycho psychological that, and emotional yes. and physical pain. Yeah, it becomes like a survival tool. Um, what else have you found? You said you never know what you're going to find. So we, last year, we rescued a little boy. Um, he was at the time at a, about uh, seven, eight years old. And we received information that he was being um, held in an orphanage and yet he would be sent to a place and he would go missing for days and then come back. And then one day somebody had found him tied to a bed and there was some very abnormal behavior going on from a seven, eight-year-old boy that no seven, eight-year-old boy should actually be be doing. But he was this, he had a disability. He couldn't talk and he was deaf. And his only way to communicate for help was to actually act out what he had been taught when he would go to this place. We realized that he was being... Um, Trafficked into a pornographic sex trafficking ring, this little boy, um, and he would communicate with us as best as he could to try and show us what had gone on. And so we realized at that point that there was something like that going on. And we got um, social development and we got uh, the FCS. We got everyone that needed to be part of that process involved to remove him from that place. Um, which we did, but today he's in a really, really good home. He's doing really well. He sleeps well at night. He's eating. He's doing school. Um, and yeah, that's, that was, that was one of our other reasons. Oh my God. Are there any of these where you just haven't been able to handle it? Um, there's many of them. I think especially with the children to you just when you think that one case cannot get any worse than the case you've just dealt with along comes the case and you just think, oh, dear, this is really this is is this the level of dehumanization that we as human beings are coming to? Um, and so it does. It gets very tough at times. But, yeah, so you essentially are looking for donations and for people who are able to donate their time and maybe they've got some kind of qualification yes. in this respect mm. that could be helpful um how's how's the, the how's the best way for them to get hold of you what is the best means the best means would be to go on our website 
which is www.hoperison.org, mm-hmm. and you'll find a wealth of information on there. It also has um, volunteer roles as well as a contact volunteer form that one can fill in and they can contact us, and then we will get back to them. Oh, I'm, I'm just blown away by everything you've told me today. I had no idea any of this was going on, certainly not at the scale that you've told me it is. A little bit at a time, huh? A little bit at a time, Gareth. And one step at a time. And it starts with the awareness. It starts with one movement. And then, you know, if you just share with somebody else what you've just learned, you're, you're saving another life. And the more we empower ourselves, the more we educate ourselves, the more we're going to be able to save more lives. Because it's the public Besides the police who contact us, it's the public that are calling us in and saying, listen, this is what's going on. This is what I'm seeing. <laughs> and that is saving lives. So be on the lookout. Look out for this behavior that you were talking about earlier. Look for people who seem like they're, they're suffering. Um, you never know. It could be happening to someone you know quite well. Absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a good point you've made. <sighs> Because if I give you statistics, um, the percentage of perpetrators, traffickers, or um, people that are doing these things are actually higher in terms of someone you know. You mean that it's likely that you could fall victim to someone you know rather than a stranger? Yes. Yes. And obviously, without putting too fine a point on it, the most vulnerable people here are women girls and boys absolutely it's not mostly men who are trafficked it's not mostly but we are finding high rise in men being trafficked Hmm. thank you so much for your time unbelievable Uh, hope risen and you can find out more on their website hoperisen.org thank you gary thank you there is hope And every day there are examples of hope and love conquering in all circumstances. Nobody should be allowed to be labeled with a price tag. Everybody has a right to freedom. This is Humans for Sale, a six-part podcast series with Hope Risen Foundation brought to you by Pembani.